episode sixty-five. Is that right? Of being me to sick bay. We're back, baby. We're fucking back. I'm Mira, your host. I'm here with McFreeze. I'm back, and I'm here with Ace. Why do you guys keep putting off this show? I keep getting you trying to get you guys to record. This is a lie. (laughs) Ace is immediately telling lies at us. These two are over in the corner, grinding their teeth in hatred. No, not in hatred, just in like, hey, let's talk about these stupid episodes. Tonight we got some stupid episodes to talk about now. We're back. Oh, baby. Where have you guys, uh, I mean, not where have you been? Where have you guys been? <laughs> How have you been? How have I've you, been on have the you... computer. Yeah. I don't know where t- you've been. I, You know where I've been. <laughs> we have some news, everybody. McFreeze and I are now married and we have three children. Yay. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been a while <laughs> since we recorded. Holy hell. <laughs> We're not actually married, but we are dating. Uh, I'm ready to be moving in together in a couple months here. So that's yeah, that's exciting, exciting news. It's yeah, we're same. basically married. It's the same yeah. thing. Living together is, is basically the same thing as being married. We get to have fiber. Yay. Yeah, our new apartment's going to have fiber. So that's, that's oh, what we're excited about. Oh, I thought about. you said, like, fiber. Like... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hire someone on fiber to do this show instead of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could do that. <laughs> you probably could. I'm sure you could get some podcast co-hosts for very cheap on the Fiverr. But as, you know, as someone who very, very recently now is using Fiverr, uh, Fiverr. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my god, it's a million times better. Like, oh my god, like it's not even just that. Like, oh, you can get like higher speeds and better, and like you can have upload that actually exists and is just do, like twenty. You do megabits. get upload. It's um, true. It, it's also just like it's way more responsive and it doesn't just randomly die because it, it's not running on like 50 year old coax it's it's great i want that sounds yeah. good i want i want that i i <laughs> i uploaded like 20 youtube videos last week and it took like two seconds wait freaking two months here to move in oh my god this is terrible Think of all the episodes of Power Stone you can upload on YouTube like I can. The fuck is Power Stone? I don't even want to know. It's an anime adaption of an arcade game. It's really important. It's got my boy boy Edward Falcon. He's a a British pilot who punches people because he also likes boxing. Mm -hmm. I think I've heard of that guy. Or maybe I'm thinking of somebody named Falco. I don't know. You might be thinking of Captain Falcon. (laughs) I might be thinking of Captain Falco. But it's fine. Uh... That's good. Mm-hmm. It sounds great. I don't know. What are we talking about again? Star Trek? Uh, my, you see, my friend uh, Mercury, she's trying to avoid talking about these episodes of television that we watched. We're really, okay, we are really excited to be back to talking about Star Trek, but dear God, dear God. This... I actually wanted to talk about video games for a little bit first, <laughs> if that's okay. <laughs> you know what? I don't blame you. What, what video games have you been playing? Well, we have had a podcast in like two months sorry about that guys by the way we just kind of had a unscheduled absence and this wasn't the reason but y'all played that Baldur's Gate 3 pretty good video game I heard I was, about that one I was kind of playing that like a full time job there for about a month but that was not why we weren't recording so don't blame me Um, <laughs> I, I, I am whistling and shuffling my feet and looking all around hoping no one notices me it's fine we don't We it's fine I I I tried to play it. I just I, I need to give it another go. It's not like I, not like I dislike it. I just wasn't in the mood for like a big long RPG. Oh, it's big. It's so fucking big, dude. I got I got to the point where I love that game and I played through it multiple times, but at the same time, like every time I get to the end, I'm like, 
oh my god game come on how I, I much think, more can you be i think at one point the, the the point where i decided that i needed to not play this right now was whenever like i'm finally breaking off into the open world i get to that i get to the burning manor where i rescue that one dude and they're like hey you have to go all the way over here and this is part of will's quest and you have to find out what's going on with this isn't this like okay that seems like a lot after rescuing a burning house by the way what's this trap door in the back and then i find an entire underground like cave where oh, i don't even remember there's this there's this like artist that's all chained up and you have to free him and you also talk to this one lady where she's like you have to track down these other people and then you have to report back to me about these other things and yada 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 and i'm just thinking like you know what this is too much video game well, yeah and you know that that area you're talking about is actually pretty small comparatively <laughs> i believe you <laughs> wait till you see the underdog <laughs> Between between that game and Final Fantasy, I'm going to say that 2023 is the year of games that you like, but you want to be over. I really want you know? Final Fantasy 16 in my life. I want to play that so I can it's be sick of it. Way. It's yeah. coming. I want FF16. It looks like it'll be dumb also, which is what I'm really into. It's good. We love dumb video games. Speaking of dumb video games, I also just played finally. Um, just, you know, this game was is like twenty years old at this point. Uh, Ace Attorney Three: His Trials and Tribulations. You played finally... the you played the flash art edition of it. I did play the flash art edition of it. It wasn't that bad. I <laughs> it's mean, not, it's, it's not. It's not the worst thing in the world. The art is really ugly. Yeah, but you know, at least it was on the computer. Yeah, no, so... totally. It's it's. Compared to like the phone ports, it's like it's fine. It's fine. You just hoped it would be a little bit better. It's, you know, some of it is just so good. It's a, it's a, it's a bummer to me that they made certain decisions that they did with the art because the stuff that they didn't do, like those hard black outlines on, looks great. Like I think, you know, like the backgrounds look fantastic. Backgrounds look great. I think certain characters look fine. Like where they don't emphasize that too much. It's just in other places, like when it looks bad it looks like almost embarrassing yeah it looks like wiki how art when it's uh in a yeah. lot of places for sure oh, yeah but the game is good uh and the uh, 20 years old and i finally played it so yeah it did it we all love nick he's an idiot he loves falling off bridges <laughs> I, just, I clapped and cheered when he fell off the bridge <laughs> what did he expect would happen it's just like cloud in a way he loves in depending on Larry Butts as a expert witness in everything that matters. Same. I, don't, I don't think he does, though. He seems to not like that guy very much. He loves Larry. Larry. When, listen. I don't know. This game, he fe- I felt like he loved Larry least of all of the games that I've played. <laughs> this game, he's like sick of Larry shit. He's like, God, it's this guy again. And Larry it's, ass over here. It's really funny because like in the first game, like, y- you know, he really does help out at the end. And Larry is trying his hardest and phoenix is at the end he's like you know larry i may not always get you man but you saved the day and you really care about our old friendship with you me and uh, edgeworth and then by game three it's like larry you've overstayed your welcome you need to leave you need to stop dressing up at you know in the credits at the end of the game because larry has decided that he's an artist now and he makes this comment about like finally i figured out that i'm selfish and lazy i'm an artist yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you larry okay star trek though uh, I, like, probably... I, I like this painting in uh, the last case of AA3. It's very pretty. His art was fine. I mean, it was it was he's new to it, but you know, he'll learn. He's got a good composition. I believe in Larry. He's gonna do. I think he did the buns in the credit, the picture in the credit of uh, everybody standing there. 
I think he uh there's a bonus case in AA6 and I'm pretty sure Larry might I think I could be misremembering. I think he's like still an artist. True. I think he is there. He's he's in the DLC case. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad he kept up with his dreams of doing that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some children. Tonight tonight is a child episode of Be Me to Sick Bay. The child? Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about the child again. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, but no. So I was really excited at the end of the first episode. I was like, you know what? We get a child episode a season. We get a the child episode a season. And we're done with it. And we're through with it. <laughs> And then I start up the next episode, and there's another fucking kid in the opening credits. God damn it. It's it's not fair. We love the kids. Kids are doing great. They're acting at a first grade level. <laughs> this, you know, honestly, the second kid's not bad at acting. No, he's, he's pretty good. Um, Alexander is just young, I think. And they did get a new actor. Like, this is the second actor to play Alexander. And uh, he's better than the first one, but not by much. He is a deer in the headlights in every single shot. He's so young is the thing. And I think this kid had also had other experience, I think I read, from um, Family Ties. Yeah, he was on Family Ties. So they're like, well, we think he can be in a recurring role in this. So yeah, whatever. He shows up in like six more episodes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He's not going away. Yeah, Alexander is sticking around until he uh, magically levels up into a teenager. <laughs> I'm really excited for that and whenever we get to that long time from now. Uh, but yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about New Ground, which is the episode where Alexander returns to us on the Enterprise. And also after that, Hero Worship, where, uh, you know, the other episode we had with a child that was a survivor and he was having issues because i feel like like in many ways hero worship is just a follow-up to that episode except now it's data too i know exactly what you're talking about i just couldn't put my finger on what that episode is but i am i am a hundred percent aware of what you mean i can't remember what episode it was are we thinking about the episode where wharf helps lead a kid around whose parents die who's parents who were already i think on the the uh enterprise they yeah, both he, passed away and then Worf has to kind of guide that kid yeah and then an alien is being the kid's mom like pretending oh. to be the kid's mom oh my god yeah. i totally forgot about that <laughs> oh yeah that was that was the whole thing in that episode but I yeah love, it, i love killing kids parents in this show no well, it happens these two times but it's weird that it happens twice i'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean technically three times because alexander's mom also gets it. i was gonna say yeah <laughs> wow that's true <sighs> it's hard that's to pretty... be a kid in space is the lesson that we're learning you bring, maybe you shouldn't bring all these kids on the starship enterprise i don't it's know a, it's a family ship they got family quarters now they're gonna go through the family, family photon wave you know, on the yeah. Enterprise, it kind of makes sense just because the Enterprise is such a big ship and they do a lot of different research things and stuff. But what, why the Vico? Like, is this, well, I guess because it's totally a research vessel. It makes, maybe it makes more sense on the Vico than on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's hero worship, though. We'll talk about that later. We're going to talk about New Ground first. That was, uh, let me read the specs real fast. Season 5, Episode 10, first aired January 6th, 1992. That's a teleplay was written by Grant Rosenberg. The story was by Sarah Charno and Stuart Charno. Oh, that's cute. Uh, directed by Robert Shearer. 
And the in-universe date is 45376.3, solar year 2368. And this is the one where Alexander's back, baby. Alexander's baby. And he's Alexander, back. Alexander's baby and baby. You know, all- you know what we were robbed of in this episode? What? There was no Worf stab. Yeah, yeah, no, that's one of the first things I wrote down in my notes. It was a where the fuck is Worf's dad? He's um, so great. We don't want to get him. It's not fair. Hey, he's, so the, he's just shouting from off screen. I have all the plans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, this episode opens where we're we're learning that the Enterprise is going to help on Balana Three with this uh, new method of propulsion that's being tested called a soliton wave, which is like you can get up to warp speed. By just making this wave and like riding it like a surfboard, Jordy says, which they don't, nobody says, which kind of disappointed me. What is a surfboard? <laughs> they had to explain, well, back on Earth, we used to use these boards on the ocean to move around. Uh, but what we, really, what, we, what we aren't made uh, privy to is that surfboarding's really big on the holodeck right now. Maybe it is. Yes, maybe that's probably true. Maybe it's one of the, maybe like surfboarding is one of the more common things in the entire galaxy. Like maybe everybody has their own surfboarding. <laughs> And it's just because maybe everybody's got oceans. I don't know. Every, everyone well, well, what about separately that invented surfboarding. It's, it's like a that, universal constant. It's like that part in uh, in Space Dandy where you it's discovered that you can just surfboard in space, resulting in eventually uh, Space Dandy surfboarding off of a planet's explosion. I don't think I saw that episode, but it sounds very good. It's a really terrible episode until like the last five <laughs> minutes where you surfboard <laughs> off an exploding planet. Yeah, that sounds badass. I'm I'm there for that. Uh, so Jordy's nerding out about this new technology. He's like, oh, aren't you guys so excited? We're going to see this. It's going to be like seeing Chuck Yeager break the sound barrier. Or uh, what was the other one? Zephyrin Cochran. Cochran. Engage in the first warp drive. I was like, yeah, um, they really make some names in this Star Trek, don't they? Zephyrin Cochran is one of the more believable names you could make up, I'm going to say. There's no Zephyrin. You this can't be Zeph- called Zephrom. That's a it's a 21st century human name. I'm gonna you are, <laughs> name my uh, child Zephrom. You're the unless you're the cook in uh, the Baratier. What was that guy's name Zephrom? That guy's name is Zeph, isn't it? I don't remember. Yeah, I watched Zeph. that like a week ago. I don't fucking remember. He's a cook. He oh likes yeah, the, the One Piece live action is also very good. Check that out. It's That's real. Mine's, mine's I don't so believe real. you have you you watched some of it i watched a little bit of it you should watch all of it it's good anyway Worf gets a call from his mom and she's like oh hey i heard you were gonna be nearby so i grabbed a grabbed a transport can we come and say hi to you and he's like yeah that's fine is dad with you and she's like no it's just me and alexander though haha so he goes he goes to see them at the transport room and she hugs him and she's like oh is there a touch of gray in your beard i see now and uh gives him a hard time and he walks over and like coldly shakes hands with his son and says, how son, how are you? Um, but he's like, so, so how long are you guys staying here? And, and Alexander just tells him, I'm not going back. Hmm. Weird thing to say. And it was, I mean, he thought so too. Worf did. He looked to his mom like, what? So uh, we go to 10 forward after this. He's talking to his mom, Alexander, somewhere else. Um, and uh, also there's a woman with, with some Ariana Grande hair at the bar which is very good, very prescient. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that I wrote that out of my notes. It's very important. So Worf immediately asks her about Alexander staying, and she's like deflecting and changing the topic and and uh, finally gradually breaks up to him that they are too old to be raising a Klingon child. She's like, at first we were really excited about this, you know, having a kid in the house, 
uh, again that was going to be great but he's just too fucking much dude we're old and they she explained are old. she explains to him that Worf uh to she explains to Worf that Alexander needs his father and Worf's like well that's not possible I can't take care of him here on the enterprise and and she's like no you don't understand he's having difficulties he's he's being disobedient and he's telling lies and he's a little disturbed by this uh but she says <laughs> she's here for like 5 minutes and she's like well I got to leave soon See ya. <laughs> I really thought she'd be around for like half the episode or something. Uh, but no, she's going back. Gotta go. She just dips. That transport's leaving, and I am not taking that kid with me. Bye. I had to, I had to get rid of this kid as fast as possible. L- See listen, she and Worstad had to go to Space Margaritaville as soon as possible. They're tired <laughs> taking care of this kid. They're, yeah, she he's just waiting on the transport ship. He was like, I don't even tell him I'm here. We're just gonna head to Ryza after this. We need to go to Lo- we need to check out Lunar Jibby Buffett. <sighs> so Worf is walking down the hallway with his son and struggling to have any kind of conversation. Like, cause have you ever walked with a like a three-year-old and tried to talk to them? Actually, that's not true. I'm gonna say usually it's very easy to talk to a three-year-old because they will tell you everything. Alexander is they- not doing mm-hmm. that. No, no, most most like young kids, they have zero filter. Alexander is all filter. Yeah, he doesn't want to say shit. Like Worf is trying so hard to get him on anything. Like, oh, so you were staying in my old room, I hear, and uh huh. No, um, I'm brooding. <laughs> uh, but they arrive at the primary school on the Enterprise, and Alexander's introduced to the teacher, but uh, he even ignores her. Um, and and she's like asking him, like, oh, Borzenko, that's a hard last name. How how do you spell that? And he just like doesn't answer her at all and Worf gets mad at him like a teacher asked you a question and she's like that that's okay i can figure it out and then she asks Worf what alexander's date of birth is and uh oh. Worf, Worf doesn't know it nobody <laughs> then, told me and then alexander finally like angrily gives her his birthday and looks at his dad like so hurt and she asks well how long is alexander going to be staying for and, and Worf just says it has not been decided yet. Worf is a very bad dad, is what the moral of this episode is. He is an abysmal father, but it's okay He's... because he has an abysmal son, so they're perfect for each other. <laughs> He's doing his best, asterisk. Alexander's like three years old, dude. I'm going to put the fault on Worf here. Worf should be trying a little bit harder. Whatever, this kid sucks. You get you get his ass, Worf. He does kind of suck, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> he just has bad vibes. It's it's, he does have bad vibes like he's not even like a fun shitty kid he's just like i'm gonna steal lizards his mom his mom died my mom, my mom died <laughs> wow it's poor alexander dude <laughs> so Worf is late to a meeting with captain picard which is good because it opens in uh captain picard uh, in his ready room just like tapping a pen on the desk looking bored uh and i just enjoy when he does these things these sorts of things but it's because Worf is late and Worf's like oh sorry I had to enroll Alexander in school and then his meeting is immediately interrupted by two hails does the, do the the, the the badges do they not have a do not disturb I guess no I guess not it's like really awkward because like no wait a minute I feel like most times you have to like acknowledge whenever a message is coming in or something right they don't just like start spouting stuff off they do that no. this time, though, to Worf, because he gets a hail from both uh, the teacher of the school and Dr. Crusher asking things about Alexander. Picard's like, you know, you're not the first officer on the ship to have a child. Go take care of this, Worf. This is also the uh, the issue of having cell phones that only operate as speakerphones. Yes. <laughs> um, who was the other officer that had a child? 
Who was there's, it? Who was it? I mean, there's a lot of uh, no-name officers. Was it Riker? This. It was probably Riker. Okay. I guess probably got a bunch of fate. Chid kids. Chids. Children's. We're, I'm very practiced with this podcasting, if you can tell. So the bridge crew is getting briefed on this cool new technology, this solitone wave business, by an alien with a butthole face. We've had a lot of aliens with vagina faces, but finally we have an alien with a butthole face, and I'm happy. Hey. It's yeah. okay. We, we we get a vagina face later. It's got a lot of face in his face. I enjoy it. Um. So they finish the meeting about the solitone wave thing, and Troy kind of accosts Worf on the bridge, and he's like, "Oh, so you got uh, Alexander enrolled in school? How'd that go? And and uh, are you gonna take him to that father son field trip today?" And Worf's like, "No, I can't do that. I have a personnel meeting at one o'clock." And Troy gives him this look like, "You are gonna take your son to that fucking field trip." <laughs> And he's like, all right, I guess I can reschedule it. She's like, great, that's perfect. Um, that's kind of the theme of both these episodes, too, is is Troy helping people help children. Yeah, that's that's her role now. She's mom. She's ship mom. Like, she helps all Worf, these kids. Now you be a good dad. Stop being the wharf. Stop <laughs> doing all this wharf stuff. Stop wharfing at your child. Um, so they, they go to take this field trip, which is a very convenient father-son field trip, I'm going to say, on, the, on Alexander's first day of school. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, go to, I guess it's the biology lab on the Enterprise or something. Um, but they're like looking around at lots of little animals and uh, and some preserved animals, like little, uh, I guess they have taxidermy in the future. I don't know. Um, and we get to see these uh, cool little lizards in a cage, and Alexander loves them. What are they called? I forget. Oh, they called uh, what are they called? They called gilvos. Gilvos, but they're uh, endangered, very endangered. There's only like 14 of them left in the entire galaxy. So these two are being taken to a safe place to breed, and um, so all the kids break and go about the room and the teacher's like alexander i this is probably my fault because i didn't tell you that those toys on the table over there were for everybody and that's probably why you didn't know you weren't supposed to take the lizard for yourself i I just want to say um it is insane that the enterprise is trying to noah's ark this shit where they get one male one female and be like oh that's enough genetic diversity to restart a population you don't know anything about Gilvos. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Maybe it is. I, I don't know. There's only 14 of them in existence, which I yeah, feel like is at that point you're already doomed. You gotta, like, get, you, you gotta I try a little harder. Take all 14 of them. Come on. Um, but no, we just have these. We just have these little two, and they're cute. Uh, but Worf overhears this, and so he comes over and and he's like, "Are you accusing my son of stealing?" And she's like, no, that's not what I'm doing. And he's just like, Alexander, did you take that model? And uh, he just looks at him and he says, no, I didn't, sir. <laughs> and so she like angrily looks at the teacher like, see, my son's not a thief. And she's like, Worf, I saw him put it in his pocket. <laughs> and so he's like, what is this true? And he pulls it about, out of Alexander's pocket. And he's like, "Why? Wow, my son's a liar. Oh, oh no. man. So we get a personal log from Worf saying Alexander has acted shamefully, and as his father, I must now deal with him. <laughs> what does that mean? So he's giving Alexander a lecture about honor, and uh, Alexander is just being a child because he's a little baby. He's like, I don't know why I lied, I just I did. 
And Worf's like, oh, I'm trying to explain to him about honor. And, you know, when I was your age, my entire family was dead. All I had left was my honor. Look at the statue on my table. It's all about honor. You get it, kid? Honor. Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> good story, Dad. Yeah, he's really good at telling him what he needs to hear to shut up, which is a good life skill. So I'm proud of Alexander. <laughs> Because Alexander is just like, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And Morpheus is like, I, I accept this. You're good. We're good now. So later, Troy is asking Worf how the field ship went. And he's like, oh, you didn't hear. My son sucks. <laughs> but it's okay. I dealt with it. It's and, fine. It's been dealt with. And she asks, well, how did you resolve it? Um, and he's like, oh, I just talked to him about honor. And he understood. And we, it's, we're moved on. And he's, she's like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be resolved that quickly, Worf. Uh, you know, I can help you if you need. And he's like, that's not necessary. We're doing great. You, you, know, you know, one of my favorite things about this episode is Worf doesn't really learn a lesson by the end of this episode about how to be a parent. And his kid doesn't learn a lesson about how not to suck. They're kind of just happy to not be dead at the end. Yeah, that's just like no, no, no lessons were realistic. learned here. Just a bunch of stuff that happened. The, the, their relationship from this point never moves forward. That's true. That's true. Though you you have no idea, Ace. You have no idea how true that is. <laughs> oh man, I just think about that DS9 episode and when he shows up again as a teenager, and it's just like, yeah, Worf is still a terrible father. I'm glad we've learned nothing over the years. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, we're still testing this soliton wave thing, and we're super excited about it, I guess. I don't know. This was one of those B-plots where I'm just like, God, I don't care. This is the most, this, this is a very season one B-plot, where it's just like, thing is happening. Uh-oh, it goes wrong. <laughs> oh, no, this yeah. is going to go wrong. Uh -oh. Spoilers. <laughs> and, then, and then the very end of the episode, it comes up again, and then it gets resolved within two minutes. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how it, how it be. Brannon Braga, the production staff, received a lot of negative feedback about this episode. And he says, I think that's an episode where you could complain it's getting to be like a soap opera on the ship. Perhaps because the B story was just that, a B story. It wasn't about bees at all. That's right. The, the you, main story was about bees. Do you like jazz? Lizards. I, don't, I haven't seen a bee movie. You shouldn't. <laughs> the B movie is only good to, for good for two things. Do you like jazz and also the first paragraph of the B movie script? I'll have to read that later. I'm curious now. I'm curious about that now. So it's, yeah, this the, the the text of the B movie script is not the important part of the B movie script. I, it's it's complicated. It's I'm complicated. definitely going to look this up later. Then I am definitely going to look this up later. I will report back after the break. Um, <laughs> so. The Enterprise's capacity in helping out with this test is that basically they're just firing this wave with a test ship and the Enterprise is going to keep up with it and make sure it doesn't explode. And guess what? It explodes. No. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. But I like how after it explodes, even Jordy tells the scientist, the butthole face scientist, like, man, it was still cool while it was happening, though. <laughs> Jordy is so excited. He's like, man, I love watching this stuff happen. I hope I get to be out of a job after this. It's going to be yeah, great. It seems like a really stupid uh, technology advancement to me. I don't know. Like, you're losing the ability to have the ship make its own warp power. 
And instead, you're just relying on that coming from a planet. And we see in this episode how horribly wrong that goes very quickly. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems very stupid. I'm not a space scientist. Um, if you're a space scientist, email us at beamedasickbay.gmail.com. <laughs> Um, so it, uh, this all makes a war fleet to a meeting to, with Alexander's teacher though, because there's a little bit of explosion briefly. And, um, she has to tell him about Alexander's bad behavior. She's like, Hey, he's still being a dick. And she recommends the two of them sit down with counselor Troy, but Worf stands up and he's just like, no, I'll handle this. I got this. It's fine. And he, he asks the computer where Alexander is. And this is actually the best part of the episode. Cause <laughs> guess where Alexander is? He's in the holodeck. He's fighting our old friend, Skeletor. Skeletor oh is God. back, motherfuckers. <laughs> you thought you'd seen the last of Skeletor, but no, here he is again. So Alexander he's has back, and he's level one this time. <laughs> Alexander has found his father's uh, calisthenics program, and Worf enters the holodeck to just like see his son fighting Skeletor, and he's like silently cheering him on from behind, like "Yeah, get him!" <laughs> he's like pumping his fists. He's like, "Yes, yeah." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Alexander beats the level one Skeletor and he turns and he sees his dad and he's like, Did you see it, father? I won. And um he says he, he took the Batleth without permission and uh used the holodeck without permission because Worf wanted him to be a warrior. And Worf says he also wanted him to obey his teachers and keep his promises, which that's the one thing I did not mention is one of the things the teacher told him was like, Yeah, and he even told me that you told him that Klingons do not listen to their teachers. And Worf is just looking at like shocked, like I did not tell him that. <laughs> and yeah. she's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, this kid sucks. <laughs> That's funny, though. That's a funny lie to tell. Yeah, my dad says I don't have to listen to you because Klingons don't do that. <laughs> like that That's word right. is like actually offended. <laughs> what? I, I would never. <laughs> I did not tell him that. Well, that's how believable of a lie it is that he's even like, man, I can see somebody seeing that I would say that. <laughs> but I didn't actually say that. Um, so Alexander, uh, Worf, Worf is like, Hey, your teacher says that you're lying. I want you to keep, wanted you to keep your promise about being honest and stuff. And Alexander's like, no, it's the teacher that's lying. She's out to get me. She hates me. And Worf's like, come on, kid. I'm not going to fall for this again. And, um, and he's like, I failed you. You know, I'm just going to arrange to send you to some Klingon boarding school and you can learn how to be a real Klingon that way. And Alexander's like, oh, you're so mean. I just want to go see the lizards again. Like you promised. This is, anyway, this is a fair point. He should see the lizards more. They should see the lizards more. The the Grokos or whatever. They're good puppets. <laughs> so the B plot is back, and now the dumb warp wave is about to take out a colony because it's just continued to grow in power and speed. Whoops! Um, and we accidentally made it get faster and faster. And it might wipe out this entire planet. This colony is on. Oopsie. Um, so. Meanwhile, Worf meets with Troy. By the way, that he... scene is like 30 fucking seconds. Where they just like they all run over to a console and they're like, hey, we made an oopsie. It's like, they, why does this B plot even exist? They're just like speed running through it. Like, so we can have the little this lab is, scene. <laughs> this is a horrible disaster. Anyways, time to meet with Counselor Troy. <laughs> yeah, let's go talk to Counselor Troy. So Worf goes to meet with Counselor Troy in her office and he's like, yeah, I'm going to send Alexander away again. And she's like, you know, that's really shitty to do, Worf. <laughs> and he's like, what? But hey, uh, wait she, a minute. She asks Worf if he has ever considered that maybe Alexander might feel abandoned with how, you know, his mom died and then he was immediately shipped off from away from his father. 
Um, and Worf's like, oh, damn, I didn't think about that. I didn't think that kids might have feelings. And uh, she also has Worf explore the idea that he might also have a lot of unresolved feelings about Kaylor's death. Um, and that the two of them should probably communicate and bond over this. And they could probably help each other. Nah, so. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I'm just glad Troy is here in this episode to tell Worf how how shitty of a job he's doing because somebody needs to. Worf. Worf, you can't I... just ship the kid off after he's been here a day. Give him you, a chance. You can't you can't see me making an exasperated Troy face into the microphone. <laughs> I'm picturing it in my mind's eye. So Worf goes back to his quarters where Alexander's packing. And tries to talk to him, uh, but he gets called away to the observation lounge instead because, you know, that there's that crisis happening. And he's like, OK, Alexander, remain here. And, and, and um, after he leaves, Alexander just starts angrily throwing his suitcase on the floor. Throwing things on the floor, making a big mess. What they even talk about? I don't remember. It doesn't matter. No, you better <laughs> have honor when I get back. <laughs> I think it was like, maybe I shouldn't send you away to that school. And I don't know. But they discuss uh, in the observation lounge what to do about the soliton wave, and they have two options. They can try to hit it with an inverse frequency to dissipate it, but the frequency of the wave is unpredictable, so Jordy isn't sure that would work. Or they can take the entire Enterprise and fly it through the soliton wave to get to the front of it, and then try blowing it up. Yeah, yeah, blow it up. Yeah. yeah. So that's the option that they. Uh, and and Hayes, I believe you had a comment about this this episode. Listen, I understand it's expensive. I understand it's not easy to pull off, record. And I understand it's the awful, awful, awful Worf's Kid episode. So who even cares if you do it or not? But God damn it! if there was ever a reason, an excuse, uh, a possibility for a saucer separation, maybe it's the part where you dive your entire ship through a deadly, through a potentially deadly way that could kill everyone on board. Yeah, yeah, no. You when you brought this up before we started recording, I thought to myself, I didn't even occur to me, and I think that possibly the people on the Enterprise, these officers, these pretend officers, have had the same problem where they forgot that the saucer separation is a thing they can do. It's a thing <laughs> they, they should think about. <laughs> they should possibly think about not risking the lives of a thousand people. I don't know, but they do it. They uh, do not separate that saucer, and they fly right through that wave. God bless them. Damn. And I like you. Someone asks, like, "Well, why can't we just fly around it?" And they're like, "Oh no, see, it's gotten bigger in size, so there's no time to go around it. We just have to go straight through it." Oh, makes sense to me. That's for the viewers at home who are also questioning this. <laughs> I was for sure. I was like, "You can just fly around it, dickheads. You have a warp capability." So, meanwhile, though, Alexander is sneaking back into the science lab to look at the Grilkos when uh, they start hitting those waves, and the Enterprise safely gets through the waves. But they have to evacuate some sections because they'll get ion radiation. And also, now there's a fire in the bio lab that Alexander snuck into for some reason. And the fire suppression is not working for some reason. It's because of all the radiation and torpedoes, you see. It's things the, are a mess yeah, down there know. real fast, though. And um, Worf and Riker hurry down to the lab to try to save Alexander. Uh, but it's it's also one of the areas that's going to be flooded with ion radiation. So they get like three minutes to do this. They're like, okay, you got three minutes, and then we got we got to kill you. We have to save this colony. It's more important. Uh, which it is. It is. But it's just such a manufactured drama. I think my wharf, my wharf would have been like, the boy was stupid. He, well, he oh well. 
<laughs> Welcome. It's a good day to die. No, it would be dishonorable for him to leave the child. Or would it? The child should have gotten back for the lizards and let him seal off the bay. <laughs> but they, with this this scene where they're getting out of the lab is kind of fun. Like, it's choreographed well where they uh, they get there, the door is shorted, so Worf, like, opens up the panel and gets it to open manually, and they're both, like, on both sides of the door, and they open it, and fire shoots out of there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so- and for some, for some reason, Worf has to use his Klingon strength to open this panel. Because it's not... <laughs> Like, oh, I got to look cool here. Hang on. They, for, they forgot to grease it. Um, and War finds Alexander unconscious in front of the Goroko cage, and he's got like a cement beam on him. <laughs> why Why did this happen so badly in this lab? Like, oh, well, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, but Riker and Worf can't lift it. It's too heavy. So Riker goes off to find a lever or something to lift it with. And Alexander wakes up and he's like, I'm scared, Dad. So Worf musters all of his Klingon strength and lifts that beam off of him single-handedly and he yep. carries his son out of the room like did you also boss. think about how we got two episodes in a row of kids getting buried under debris yes i was just thinking about that as i was reading this paragraph <laughs> you know? right. this happens next episode immediately well it would be weird if someone just lifted that beam easily with no problem why did they decide to run these two episodes next to each other? It's <laughs> a, a real mystery. Maybe, um, maybe they just realized what they had. And like, all right, let's get these fuckers out of the way. Put them in the middle of the season. No one will notice. <laughs> it's true. It's a real flyover episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they almost leave the fucking lizards to die. But Alexander's like, no, they're in danger. You have to save them. So Riker goes back and saves the two lizards. And he's just carrying these lizards out of the door. And we get this fucking fake drama scene where uh on the bridge picard is like waiting for to hear from them and they're like contacting them but they don't hear from riker they don't hear from Worf, and so he's like all right engage the torpedoes and then we we hear oh they're safe of course they didn't die hooray what if that's how riker died trying to rescue lizard (laughs) (laughs) that would be very fun that would be a fucking tasha yar level death it'd be good for him you know he's just like he's like trying to jump out the door and all of his va- all of him is vaporized, except his two arms extending outside of the door <laughs> with the lizards. He saved those fucking lizards. He's a hero. This this species of lizards is going to get up to the dozens now because of Riker's sacrifice. We don't even really see what happens inside of like the room whenever like the big missile explosion goes off. There's no like I didn't feel like they just they they got out just in time of something. It's just like, oh, I guess they got out and then the missiles went off. Well, no, they said it was going to be flooded with ion radiation, so there wouldn't be anything like I think that we'd see. They would just die. You could make it glow blue or something. I don't know. <laughs> they could probably make it glow something. They got all kinds of glowing technology. They do. So Dr. Crusher's treated Alexander in sick bay and he's going to be fine. And Alexander's worried Worf is going to be in trouble because of him. But Worf tells him not to worry about that, but confirms that Alexander is in trouble and they'll talk about it later. And Alexander says, well, I'll do well at the Klingon school and I'll make you really proud of me. And Worf's like, you know, Klingon schools are designed to be very challenging, both physically and mentally, to prepare young warriors. Uh, but but I think if you're willing to accept a greater challenge, you can stay here on the Enterprise with me. You know, those Klingon schools like, are yeah. designed to those Klingon schools are designed to be very challenging, and I think you suck too bad. <laughs> That's where Sorry, I thought he kid. was going with it when he started that. <laughs> You know, now that I'm thinking about that other episode where Worf like was consoling that one kid whose parents died, he's more emotionally available for that kid than he was for his own son. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. But you know, I, I to be fair, that I actually think, makes sense. That actually makes sense. Yeah, Troy was definitely onto something where where he's not over Kalar's death, and the reason that he sent Alexander away so quickly was part of that too. And blah blah blah. I, I, I did I did like the part where they're kind of going over. It's like you may miss her and you may love her, but it's like that makes sense also for you to be angry with her because like that's fucked up. It's a fucked up situation. Yeah, you know it is it. <sighs> She probably should have told Worf he was a father. It's a <laughs> thing you should about do that at the time, but you know, it's it's polite. It's a polite thing to it's mention. One of the things you should probably do. If Kalar was not such a queen, I'd be mad at her too. I dude, I miss her. She was such a queen, man. She was she's gone before her time. I, if there's anyone that that deserved to be like a recurring character, it was definitely her. Much more than Alexander. Much more. Alexander's oh, yeah. more than Alexander. Oh my god. Uh, poor Alexander. Uh, but he's going to be back, so don't worry. He's uh, he's sticking around. I am so worried. <laughs> it's fine. Sigh. Uh, this is. It's funny. We haven't had an episode in, in almost two months, but we're probably going to have like the shortest episode ever with these two episodes tonight. What are you going to do, dude? Like, <laughs> I'm not lingering. I didn't even take notes for uh, hero worship. I'm just gonna kind of wing it. Well, that's, that's because like nothing happens in that episode. No, that's and I true. like he's worshiping that hero. I I think hero worship is a better episode than New Ground for sure, and I enjoy it a lot more. But also, yeah, like there's nothing to really write down what happens. It's basically it's... a montage of of the kid being like, "I could be like you, Data." Yeah, it's a kid pretending to be Data, and that's <laughs> the episode. That's the episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's pretty good. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we will talk about hero worship. So stay tuned. Hey. And we are back. We're very excited to talk to you about hero worship. I almost got through that sentence uh, with a straight face. <laughs> So this, this episode was a, is not bad. It's uh, it's just hard. It's hard to talk about because not much happens in it, you know. And it, it's it's an all right episode. It's much better to watch than to talk about. One of those. Yeah, yeah. Because there's not a lot of things happening. This episode is virtually a montage of just like, it's what's this montage. crazy kid gonna do next? It's a montage of Brent Spiner making faces at things, and that's good. That is good to watch, not to talk about. Yeah. Let me uh, let me read the spectacles of this real fast. Uh, this was episode eleven of season five, first aired January twenty seventh, nineteen ninety two. The teleplay was written by Joe Minoski. Story was by Hillary J. Bader. It was directed by Patrick Stewart. And the in universe date four five three nine seven point three solar year twenty three sixty eight. And in this one, uh, the Enterprise saves a child. Uh, well, he's what, like twelve or something, um, from a from a ship where his parents have been killed, and he's the only he's a sole survivor, and he is so uh, struck with trauma that he decides he's going to be an android like his hero Data. Yay! <clears throat> so that's that's the episode. You're Goodbye, so everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so the the Enterprise has arrived at these coordinates of of uh what's called a black cluster. And I guess this is a huge black cluster, one of the biggest it's ever been. And there was a ship uh, that was a research vessel that was um, researching it called the Vico. 
and the Vico has been destroyed. So they had sensed no life signs aboard this ship, and they're like, all right, send out a away team, go check it out. So it's a Riker, LaForge, and Data beam aboard this vessel, and um, and the ship is also, by the way, broken in half. Like, the bridge has been separated, it's been, like, just trashed, there's no life signs. Um, and they, they gain access to the ship's computer core, and it's, like, 80% of the files are missing, and they can't find, a, like, what happened to it at all, but they find... The life signs were wrong. There's a young boy caught in the wreckage of the ship. It's it's a cool start to an episode up until they find the kid. Or it's like, you know, oh, the ship's been really badly fucked up. You know, it's it's all in shreds. They get on board. Everything's all out of all out of sorts. No one's wearing a spacesuit because why would you? <laughs> we don't got time for that. We got to get over there right now. To this no life survives ship. <laughs> no one survived. Hey, do you think the air is good? Yeah, we're done. It's, it's fine. fine. You just come back <laughs> if it's not. We're good. <laughs> we just, uh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So they, find, force this, field. they find this field. And then they find this fucking kid. They find this kid. Uh, he's, he's awake and he's alive. He's buried under uh, some beams. Yay. It's <laughs> the same. How did it's they the get theme the same series? How did this beam get onto this other <laughs> ship? The same one. And they can't they can't warp him out because there's layers of shielding and uh, victorium apparently on the ship, and uh, so they're looking at it and like they're like, well, I can lift that beam, but it's it's a load bearing broken beam. So as soon as I Uh-oh. lift it, it's gonna start collapsing. How, how um, do these kids keep getting getting buried by extremely heavy debris that also doesn't hurt them at all? I don't know, dude. You like at least Alexander has the excuse of being a Klingon kid. They're made tougher. Yeah. <laughs> this, it should be cut in half or something. Uh, whatever. <laughs> felt different. So Data tells the Forge and Riker to go back to the Enterprise. And, and he's like, okay, kid, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to lift this beam up and we're going to run. And then we're going to teleport out of here. And he's like, okay, okay. So Data lifts up the beam. The kid, Wait, for you, some reason, is you, not injured. You didn't mention this fucking transport tech who sucks ass at his oh, job. Oh, Hutchinson? We Hutchinson. we love Hutchinson. He's so bad. This fucking ensign. Like, <sighs> if O'Brien was here, do you think he'd be stressing out? Like, be like, oh, there's a pipe in the way. I can't get out of the way of it. No, he would get that kid out of there in like two seconds. This, no, this I'm guy trying, sucks. but uh, eh, it's pretty hard. I don't know. <laughs> he's, like, he's like having like a stroke trying to get through this beam. He just can't do it. Yeah, Hutchinson's not very... I, where is O'Brien? what i'm asking we were just wondering where is o'brien on deep space nine no deep space nine is a year away still where's o'brien is o'brien he should be saving this child what is he fucking his wife or something (laughs) (laughs) um so the data lifts up this beam and the kid is fortunately not injured at all and it can just run away from the beam as as data lifts it up and like steam starts coming out of the wall out of it behind it um so they they run off. Oh, and and also he says, "How can you lift up the beam? You, uh-huh. um, it's real heavy." And Data's like, "I am an android," and this is the first the child learns of androids. So the boy Timothy uh, turns out to be the sole survivor of the ship, and he tells back aboard the Enterprise they, they get out to the hallway, they beam out. He's in the sick bay, and he's telling Doctor Crusher and Data that the ship was attacked by a, a boarding party. Uh, there was attacked in space. Boarding party came aboard with purple helmets. They had phaser rifles. And uh, they killed everybody, and he, they just had, didn't happen to see him. That's why he wasn't killed. And um, so that's the story. And and uh, Data tries to leave, but he's holding on to Timothy's hand, and Timothy won't let him go. And and Troy is there as well, and she's like, "Do you do you want Data to stay with you?" And he just kind of nods, like, "Yeah." 
I want Data to stay with me. Same. Um, and on the sh- on the bridge, they're talking about like Timothy's parents. Oh, his mom was the communications officer. We found her body down here. Uh, his dad was the second officer who was likely blown out into space when the bridge was exposed. So this kid, you know, his uh, his family's all dead. He's going through it. It's a, it's a little traumatic. A little traumatic. It's, it's, it's a shame because I think there's like a skeleton of a like good trauma storyline here that they very briefly touch on at the very start. And then they very briefly touch on it at the very end whenever he's like, oh, man, I touched the computer and the ship fucking exploded. It's all my fault. It's it's all my fault. I did this. And it's like that's like a. I think that could be pretty good if they really kind of expanded on that. But that's about as far as it goes. The rest of it is data shenanigans. Well, I disagree, though, because I feel like the whole the whole episode is trying to get at that kid's trauma. They're just doing it in a way of showing, like, this is how he's dealing with that trauma is he's trying to take away his emotions by becoming an android. And, and I, I do get that. It does just end up being more like, like, let's look at data's mannerisms and how would they be imitated by a child? It, it, and also just it's more of like a almost a data sympathy episode where he's like, you know, I I can't feel I can't feel bad, but I also can't feel good. I can't taste anything. Like it's easy being it's maybe less challenging to be an android in that respect. But you give it all up to uh, risk feeling bad just to feel good. Yeah, it's just one of those episodes. We have to have a couple episodes every season to remind you that Data is not human, but he wishes he was. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those basically, episodes. <laughs> remember, remember, remember when he showed up in episode one? He's like, "Yes, sir, I am great." But I would give everything up to be human. No, but yeah, you, you, you forgot to bring up his his Android traits. He can't fucking whistle, which only humans <laughs> can. Oh no, it's so hard. I can't whistle. I'm an Android, I guess. That doesn't um, even it doesn't even make any sense. Why couldn't it an doesn't? He could whistle fine. I don't. There's no reason he couldn't whistle. He can replicate any sound of other people's voices. You should be able to whistle, whistle better than any human. You can't do it, man. It's just some things you have to have a human soul for. Damn. So, um, Troy also tells Data, you know, Timothy's world is gone, and uh, it's up to them to make him a new one. So, in engineering, uh, later, the Forge and Data are examining the files transferred over from the Biko, and uh, like I said earlier, most of, most of them are missing. It seems like an EM pulse had hit the ship and damaged its data banks. And all the sensor logs are also gone. So they have to like just do a structural analysis and try to figure out what happened to this ship in this flat cluster and why did only Timothy survive on the ship. And they also like they Timothy told them that the ship was boarded, but they found no evidence of this on the ship. So it's a little sus. They're a little bit like, hmm, it's kind of weird. Data also asks uh the Forge if he's ever experienced a traumatic event. So we get this good the Forge story of when he was only five years old, because he's blind, you know, reminder, Jordy LaForge is blind. What? Um, and he has not always had this visor to see with. So when he was five years old, he was caught in a fire. And um, it only took a couple of minutes for his parents to find and rescue him. But he was, he remembers it as being the longest few minutes of his life. And it's pretty, um, pretty fucked up, Jordy. It's, it's a pretty fucked up story, but it's a good little you, learning experience for Data to learn that. You that, asked that, him if he had any trauma. Well, that is, there's there some trauma. Um, and, and Data learns from Jordy that he got through it because of his parents and they gave him that support structure. But Timothy doesn't have that anymore. Timothy doesn't have parents. He's got fucking nothing. So Data's like, damn, this kid's got it rough. Uh, and we see Timothy having it rough as he's in the, the fucking 
classroom on the Enterprise learning about mythology. And he's just wanting to build this model of this yeah. temple. He's he like, I don't care about this stupid this mythology. This class is boring as hell. <laughs> Who cares? This teacher's getting mad at me for wanting to build this model. Um, so on the bridge, also the crew is learning that the vessel was attacked with disruptor-style weapons. I'm just reading memory off. I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's just right I need to take my own notes. I apologize. This is very unprofessional of me. Um, and they say, well, the attack could be consistent with a... a an attack from a ship that was cloaked and they suspect, you know, that means it could be Romulans. It could be the Breen, which by the way, this is the second mention we get of the Breen. Um, it could be Klingons, but they're still like, there's no evidence that the ship was boarded. There's this is something weird about this kid's story. So counselor Troy advises data to spend more time with Timothy and um, see if he can get him to open up a little bit more because Timothy trusts mm-hmm. him more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. We got to get the scoop on this kid. Yeah, so so to uh, to win the kids' trust, Data goes to his quarters and immediately uh, makes him feel terrible about his model. <laughs> so so this kid is like slowly building up this like little model like temple type looking thing. He's kind of building it up, and he's like all timid. He, he's vulnerable. He's like, Miss Mister Data, you, you you know, can you see what I'm building? And Data is like, Oh, you're building the uh, hey you on Memory Alpha. What's he building? It doesn't say. I'm memory alpha. Building a temple. <laughs> it's, oh. the, it's the it's the temple of such and such and such and such. And and he's like, well, um, do do you like it? And he's like, oh, would you like a frank analysis? In my mind, I'm just like, no, Dana. <laughs> he doesn't know not to say no. He's too young. He doesn't know. <laughs> so he Dana starts to give him an an uh, honest critique of the structure, and he's just Timothy's immediately like, you hate it. <laughs> Starts trashing it. And Data's like, hang on, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> it's a good scene of, of Data not understanding people, though. We see this scene with Data so many times in so many different mm. ways, and it's always Data. I, I guess at the end of the day, it's a serialized show, so sometimes you got to do the most Data-ass Dataisms. It's a super Dataism. Um, but the, the kid is like... <laughs> This is one of the worst examples of it, just because there's a kid that's going through horrible trauma and Data's just like destroying him by telling him that his structure sucks. Uh, well, it doesn't really capture the uh, harmony of these structures. Uh, so Data attempts to comfort him, but he's called by uh, Jordy to engineering and he has to leave. But before leaving, he's he's looking at Timothy and he's just like, oh, hang on. And he like does his, his super fast movement thing where he quickly builds up the model of the temple with his super speed. And Timothy's like, whoa, how did you do that? And Data says, I am an android. I am designed to exceed human capacity, both mentally and physically. Um, See you later. And then he, he states that he doesn't have the ability to experience emotions as humans do, though. That's his drawback. But Timothy is really intrigued by this uh, this idea of not feeling happiness or sadness. And so he kind of, like after Data leaves, begins to emulate Data in the mirror by repeating what he said and like jerking his head like an android. So in the observation lounge, the seniors. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, in the observation lounge, <laughs> senior staff reviews new findings. Um, so the uh, the black cluster that they're in apparently has unpredictable gravitational regions. And uh, Picard's like, well, we should check this out and, and look at them closer to see if we can find out what happened at the Vico. Uh, and Troy's like, OK, yeah, I'm going to be meeting with Timothy to, uh, soon to try to get more information out of him, too. So she checks in on Timothy and takes him to 10 forward. 
And at this point, I think he started to dress like Data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, got, yeah, the hair. She walks up into his room. He's like, oh, I found this shirt that has the same pattern as Data's shirt. Wow. It's <laughs> crazy. It's, it's a good find. Really, really uh, had to search the racks for that one. Um, and she's like, oh, well, that's cute. And uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm an android. I feel no emotions, none at all. Um, and so speaking with Captain Picard in his ready room later, Troy is uh, describing this healing process, uh, you know, like, well, Timothy has found a way to suppress his trauma. Uh, and eventually it'll drop off as he starts to grow stronger. But for now, he's just like using this as a way to get through this this uh, really traumatic experience. And she's like, this is this is a good thing. We should encourage this. And so Picard tells Data in turn, you know, I want you to make this kid the best android you possibly can. I, what a strange mission. I um, I like that part where Troy is encountering the kid for the first time whenever he's doing the data, the the, the data bit. And like at very the very first, she's, she's thinking like, oh, this is cute. You're like a little data. Then slowly dawns on Troy. Uh-oh. <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> he's uh he's a little traumatized <laughs> um so we we do get these little montage scenes where data's like doing timothy's hair to look like him and and they're uh learning about each other and and timothy's asking data like what's the scariest thing you ever had to face and data uh, data's like well i don't possess fear i haven't been scared of anything ever owned <laughs> And um, Timothy asks Data what he would do if he had a nightmare. And Data's like, well, I don't have dreams. I don't need to sleep even. But why? do you Have you been having nightmares? And Timothy's like, I don't need sleep either. I'm an android. No, oh, um, no, dumb baby. He's he's doing his best. He's had, he's had maybe a little bit of trauma. <laughs> and so then Data begins to accompany Timothy throughout the ship, uh, such as when he's getting a checkup with Dr. Crusher and they're like painting together later in Data's room. And we get this cute scene where he's like falling asleep painting because he's trying to be an android and not sleep. And so Data has to like pick him up and lie him down on the couch. I, I do enjoy dad Data. I will be yeah. honest. I, I think Data would be a good dad. It's too bad they never had an episode where Data had a child. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I would lol. lull if that happened. <laughs> so the Enterprise enters the Black Cluster and um, they start to experience these gentle nudges of the gravitational uh, effects on the ship. Um, you know, just kind of like bonking the ship, kind of like a wave. And uh, Worf sees a ship in the sensors at one point. He's like, oh, but it's gone. And then, oh, wait, it's over there now. No, it's gone. And then they realize they're seeing reflections of the Enterprise itself, just bouncing back at them from the Black Cluster. Um. Meanwhile, Data and Troy observe Timothy having a laugh at school. And they're like, wow, this android thing's working. And Data's like, ah, my work here is done. Wait a minute. (laughs) He's not being a good android at all. He's laughing. (laughs) And Troy tells him, "Uh, you know, your work's not quite done, Data. He still needs needs a little bit more. And she asks him, like, hey, is this this hard for you to watch him not be? Or maybe that's at the end of the episode. I don't know. That's that's at the very end whenever, yeah, yeah, after the, the shields bounce the thing back. Yeah. I was jumping ahead. Uh, so in, t- in 10 forward later, um, Data and Timothy share some dessert. And it's uh, Timothy is really enjoying his dessert like a kid. You know, he's not pretending mm-hmm. to be an android at this point. He's just like, yeah, this dessert's delicious. And he asks Data how his is. And Data gives him uh, like an analysis of it. But he explains, you know, I, I don't have taste. I can't enjoy food like you can. And uh, he's Timothy's like, wow, it almost sounds like you kind of wish you were human. 
Data's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> Pay attention, kid. Well, why would you want to be human, Data? As an android, you and I are more powerful than anyone else here. Well, That's I true. would gladly give that up if I could taste my dessert, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty good. I'm tired I, of describing no, things doesn't. as sucrose. It doesn't look any way or the other, actually. <laughs> <laughs> they got funny straws. That's fun. Think of how he much can, enjoyment he could have if he had emotions. He can analyze the harmony of a temple, but he can't tell you if a drink is yummy. Sorry. Yummy is an emotion. You got it's a vibe. <laughs> you got to feel it. Damn. Um. So Picard orders Worf to perform various scans on the on the uh, black cluster, but they keep getting refracted by the waves, and so. Uh, they perform an experiment by firing phasers into the cluster because that's the smartest thing you can possibly do in this situation. Mm. What if we <laughs> shoot it? <laughs> yeah. This thing is reflecting everything we throw at it. Hey, shoot it with the phaser. See what happens. <laughs> wow, it reflected the phaser shots. Um, that's crazy. It like This does not end in the Enterprise getting shot with its own phaser. That's where you think it's going. It doesn't end up happening. But Picard asks Data whether a disruptor-style weapon would also be ineffective, and, and Data's like, yeah, there's uh, no weapon that's that we know of that would work in this thing, or a cloaking device, too. A cloaking device would also be impossible to maintain. So the evidence to them is now clear. The Vico was definitely not attacked by anybody, and Timothy was lying. What? So, so they call Counselor Troy to bring Timothy into the ready room, and they're like, Timothy, what gives? <laughs> what, what what was the lie about and uh and he's like no we were attacked i swear and and data's like timothy androids do not lie <laughs> damn he got me all <laughs> this logic timothy's like fuck i'm trapped and he's like no i i'm sorry it was me i killed them all and then they oh. cut to commercial it's like what yeah that's the, that is very much uh a wharf drinking tea moment <laughs> or a wharf passing out moment. <laughs> is wharf sipping the tea? What's, no, what's going no, no, on? No, 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 no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the moment whenever. Oh, wharf passed out. Oh, and they, next, go, they come back. He's fine. He had a cold. <laughs> he woke back up. <laughs> uh, no, Timothy explains that while the ship was being um, uh, shaken, while they were having like the ship quakes, he lost his balance uh, near the computer station he was at, and his arm hit the computer panel in engineering, and then the ship was destroyed. And uh, they're like, Timothy, we know you mean well, but you're an idiot. And that's not how that works. There's not a, a destroy the ship button on the computer. <laughs> and also the computer consoles are locked. So you can't do that anyway. And he's like, well, you mean I didn't destroy the ship? Um, but they, they ask him like, well, what actually happened? You know, we need to know what happened before the ship was destroyed so we can figure out what's going on. And, and he's like, well, they were just saying, uh, you know, that it, the wave what the fuck was he saying i should really take notes <laughs> he he was basically at the end of like you know this and that but the, at the end they're just like increase the shields increase the shields yeah um so basically the black cluster is throwing them bigger and bigger gravitational waves and they're getting stronger and stronger and so they keep increasing the shields on the enterprise and these waves keeping stronger and stronger I, ha, and ha, haven't we have we not done this before this also sounds familiar this was the the space toilet remember we had the same thing and the solution was to do nothing and go in the toilet 
I guess yes. I guess that's slightly different. I guess instead of thrusters, it's shields. So that makes sense. You see, it's the opposite. It's shields <laughs> instead of thrusters. <laughs> um, but Timothy, who was hanging out with Zeta, tells him that, oh, yeah, this is what they were saying on the Vico. They, they kept saying more power to shields. And, and at one point, they're like, hey, LaForge, can you get us a warp power to the shields? And he's like, they said that too, Data. I remember. I know it. And so Data takes him back to the back of the bridge and runs some calculations real fast. And uh, this really big wave is coming. It's going to fucking destroy the ship. Uh, they have to be ready for it. And Data finishes his calculations and tells the captain, drop shields now. And they're like, what, Data? That'll be suicide. And he's like, do it. And he looks, he gives the most intense look at Captain Picard. And Picard's like, okay, yeah, drop the shields. This is and, what Data learned in his time in command. is how to make really scary faces so people will listen to him. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need to do. That's how you become an effective leader. So they do this, they drop the shields, and then the, the ship just gets like slightly bumped by a wave as it passes by them. And Data explains that, yeah, it was reflecting our shield amplification at, at, back at us. We were too dumb to figure this out. How come the walking calculator has to be the one to tell the crew this instead of the giant calculator built into the ship? Listen, this uh, <laughs> ship's not that You smart, didn't ask it. The ship's, <laughs> yeah. the ship's real. You, you know what? You're definitely correct. They'd never ask the ship. If they'd asked the ship, the ship would be able to know this. <laughs> that is that is how they deal with this in, in other Star Treks where they don't have uh, like a Spock or a, a Data on board. They just ask the ship's computer and it does those calculations. Well, I mean, it makes sense. It's like a big Data. Yeah. You just big have to data, ask huh? it. Yeah, it's big <laughs> Data. Um, so... You, Timothy gets his fucking moment where he's like, yeah, everybody that I know may have died, but at least I saved this ship, I guess. And uh, thanks to Timothy, we saved the day. And now Timothy's not an android anymore. He's just a normal boy. And Data and Troy are watching him um, outside the school. And uh, they Troy's, talk to him. <laughs> Troy's like, Data, are you sad that he's no longer imitating you like a dumb android baby? And Data's like, no, no, I don't. Have I, emotions, I, how many idiot. times do I have to keep saying this? How <laughs> odd. I don't have feelings. <laughs> Somehow oh, I'm yeah. not getting annoyed, even though I'm an android. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> but Timothy and Data say they still want to stay friends, and uh, Timothy asks, like, hey, can we still hang out and do things if I'm not an android? And and Data's like, I would be happy to account you among my friends. And they never did. <laughs> Just they... like Data's other friends, he's never seen again. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true we see we see jordy a lot that doesn't jordy doesn't count wow oh, that's so rude to jordy <laughs> that's not what i mean jordy uh, counts in my book so yeah that was hero worship sorry for my unprofessional lack of taking it was notes great it was a boring episode nothing <laughs> happened I, they almost I, blew you, up you, the you enterprise were... I, I rewatched this episode earlier uh, today. I forgot half the scenes about just like Troy fucking talking to Data about just like, oh, he's just a baby boy. You have to treat him like a big boy or whatever. And it's just like, oh, I can't do all this. <laughs> I tried to rewatch it earlier and I got like five minutes in and I was like, nah, you know what? I remember it well enough. This is good enough. Sorry, viewers. <laughs> we promise there'll be. What, what, what's coming up? What? Oh. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me talk about this episode a little bit more first before we get into that. Oh, uh, that's a whole thing. Um, no, <laughs> trust me. Uh, anyway, um, watch the episode though. Hero worship. Like I, we've said repeatedly, this this episode it's a difficult episode to talk about and make interesting at all. But I 
do think it has a lot of value. Any any data episode, pretty much, you know, if you have Brent Spiner there acting, like just watch that episode. But it, it is a much better episode to watch and see their relationship than um, to hear a description of. It's just there's just really nothing to talk about here. But mm-hmm. it's a, still a solid episode, mm. uh, despite yeah. the fact that I did not want to rewatch it more than five minutes earlier today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, mm-hmm. when you know what happens, it's less interesting. Mm. Yeah, so that, the next you know, episode that kid really made a really good painting it was like a professional painting of an angry dream good for him yeah it almost seems like a painting that data would do in another episode of the show Damn. sometime huh maybe oh strange uh so the next episode uh is violations um yeah so we've we've talked about mind rape episodes on this show a little bit uh this is the granddaddy of mind rape episodes where we go a little bit beyond mind rape and we might have some actual rape. Content well, warning. <laughs> At least it'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, true. There's a lot that's going to happen. A lot is going to happen. Uh, so that's the violations. And then also the Masterpiece Society. And this one, I'm going to tell you, I don't remember it all. It's probably great. Sounds like It's an awesome title. I think it's about um, they find a colony of people and I don't know. We'll just mm-hmm. we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> OK. <laughs> uh, I think it's a it's a first contact, not first contact. What's the um, prime directive? Prime directive episode. Might be, sh- well, it might be a little prime directive. It's probably great. I just don't remember it that well. But violations is not great. <laughs> Great, meaning large or immense. We meet it in the pejorative sense. It's very immense. Good lord. But yeah, that'll be next week. <laughs> so you want to make new there. episodes. Yay, we did it. <laughs> we you, made you know, it to the new episode. You, you, you know, you never asked what I was playing this week. I forgot to bring this up earlier. I asked what you guys were up to. You didn't tell me, so that's up on you. I'm offended. I'm offended. Mark doesn't care about all the games I like. I do like the games you like. Case, what have you been playing? No, you'll have to find out next week now. Wow. What? Okay, I will. I will tune in next week and I'll find out what Hayes has been playing. <laughs> and you should do the same. So thank you guys out there for listening. Sorry about our, our several months break, uh, but we do appreciate you listening. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please email them to us at beemetosickbay at gmail.com. We do love to hear from you. And uh, tune in next week. We've got some Mind Rape episode. Yay! Uh, <laughs> Thank you, McReason. Thank you, Hayes, for being here talking about Star Trek finally again. And Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Next time, we'll generate a podcast. Yeah. Bye bye.